discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you from Beijing, I'm He Young. It is always to have you join us. Today, we bring you the latest installment of our special series, Timeless Traditions Riding the Waves of Guochao, in which we take a look at how Chinese traditional elements coalesce with trendy renditions. And Chinese fashion is in. Today, we talk about all things Hanfu, Hangzhong, Qi Pao, everything you need to know about today's fashion scene. And we always look forward to having a heart-to-heart -heart with you. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or have something you want to say to us, please send us your voice memo or email over to ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Your voice could be featured in our heart-to-heart -heart segment. For today's program, I'm joined by Li Yi in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line, first on today's show. In the urban landscapes of Chinese cities, a notable trend has emerged. The fusion of traditional Chinese elements with contemporary clothing. This fashion movement seamlessly blends the intrinsic beauty of traditional garments, such as qi pao and hanfu, with modern attire, captivating the affections of the younger populace. So, Li Yi, tell us, what do you see as new in Chinese fashion these days? Well, I think there has been a trend of so-called new Chinese fashion or Xin Zhong Shi clothing. It basically refers to clothing featuring traditional Chinese elements, uh, maybe in design, color, or accessory, and then incorporating modern design techniques and also adapting them into more comfortable daily wear. And for example, you know, for traditional Chinese wearing, there's like Hanfu, which is a traditional type of clothing worn by the hand ethnic group in ancient China. And also there's qi pao, which is quite famous and popular as a representative clothing of Chinese culture. But the thing is that, you know, if you wear like very traditional style or tradition, de traditional design of hanfu or qi pao, it can be quite inconvenient, especially in daily life. So with the passion for traditional clothing, there are quite a lot of designers and uh, business companies. They are just basically redesigning this kind of you know, clothing into a more modern design and then to cater into the flavor of modern and younger consumers into a more casual and modern vibe. So basically, that is what we call new Chinese fashion. It's quite popular here in China, especially among young people. I mean, in those tourism cities, especially those cities featuring ancient towns, you can basically see a lot of brick and mortar stores in selling this kind of new Chinese fashion or clothing. Yes, and was particularly popular among Gen Z or some of those members of the millennial generation um, would be Hanfu. Yeah, that's kind of like an umbrella term for a wide range of traditional or traditionally inspired Chinese clothing. And Josh, <laughs> you're not the first person I would go to for fashion advice, but I know you are a shrewd observer what? of everything. Why not? <laughs> I didn't mean to insult you and then I just realized how it came out. But anyhow, you're a shrewd observer of everything going on in China. So, like, tell us, you know, your observation of these new fashion trends with the Chinese traditional and modern twist to it. I don't think this is new news, to be honest. I don't think this is breaking news at all. I think that for a long time, cultures all over the world have dipped in and out of particular types of traditional styles and fashion always changes and there's always something fresh, but I think ultimately 
fashion does also work in cycles and things come in and out of fashion styles come in and out of fashion and i think that right now you know i've i've seen these chipaos actually when i went to shanghai uh, and i was on jilulu that street i may have or jilululu i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right but you know the the street i'm talking about there's quite a lot of chipao stores there and i actually went into some of them and it was really interesting i see similarities in my own culture as well with certain traditional outfits going in and out of fashion and i don't know is this really something so new is it really breaking news or am i just completely out of the loop here yeah i kind of agree with josh here because i don't really think it's something new i mean in recent years or where you can say in recent decades you can see such revival of traditional chinese culture especially in this case clothing here in china and also i think while the way we dress up changes all the time the love of beauty has always remained the same you know i think i, I remember when i was little i would just always you know wrap myself with sheets and just pretend you are a princess you know that's oh. a very classical figure you know <laughs> showing in, in a lot of uh, historical dramas or movies at that time so you see the love of beauty is always there i would say and then especially we are talking about traditional chinese elements i think the major way we acquire you know such knowledge would be history or classic literature or even natural sceneries and especially historical tv dramas and movies which are something that has been accompanying you know this generation of young people you know during the past few decades and it also has become something they draw inspiration from so that's why they are sort of like rediscovering the charm or beauty of this traditional uh, clothing or uh, aesthetic um, so basically, I think it's just an aesthetic thing. Of course, another argument would be fashion is a circle, as mentioned by Josh. So people just start to rediscover, you know, something beauty from the past, from the ancient time. Mm -hmm. Right. Fashion does come as a cycle. But in my opinion, there's always something of a new twist that is added in there because... Um, Otherwise, you're just repeating yourself. But for those who don't watch closely, maybe it just feels exactly like that. Oh, you know, the bell-shaped jeans are back again. And what's so different? Well, actually, you know, the thigh area is a little bit different. But anyway, if you're watching closely. But certainly what I see as a little bit new here is that it's only in the recent couple of years do you see young people dress up in these Hanfu style of clothing, or some might even say costume in public. And, uh, you know, seeing them in the subway or in the streets, and this is something that is more visible only in recent years. And uh, in a previous show, we might have referred to this as well. But Josh, you mentioned something about traditional clothing in British everyday fashions sometimes sees like a revival of some sort but do you see people wearing mm. like downton abbey clothing today i mean <laughs> that would be a bit off maybe what do you think well it would only be usually at traditional ceremonies where you would see people wearing like the full downton abbey kind of thing i guess um and maybe not exactly the same as downton abbey but definitely <laughs> There are elements from that clothing that you'll see. Just just like, I guess, in this Hanfu clothing that you guys are talking about, there are definitely heritage, one could call them heritage-inspired fashion mm. brands, right? 
Yes. And that's Does that make also because mm-hmm. there isn't really one brand that has merged, but all these users or are all these people who want to dress up in that kind of style would usually go online and find all these virtual stores online and get the attire. And that seems to be the pretty mm-hmm. common way how uh, people get their hands on these kind of clothing. And uh, for the physical stores to sell these kind of clothing, that's still very, very rare. But that's only my observation. So maybe all these things kind of say something about the people who aspire to these kind of fashion trends these days. I think one approach to look at such, say, trend or phenomenon would be we do observe a sort of diversification in fashion and aesthetics here in China, especially in recent years or even in the past few decades. I mean, think about decades ago, people would consider beauty as suit and tie, and they would just wear suit and tie like for every, you know, almost every important occasion. And people think that is the beauty, I mean, the standard for beauty. But then- Sorry to stop you for one minute though. Do you think it's beauty or it's more like, what do you wear in a official occasion? And then you don't you don't think it's right to appear in t-shirt and, and shorts and therefore, well, it's the suit. At least, I mean, it's easy for men. It's like, okay, that's the go-to. And for women, it's like, should it be a dress or what should it be? And um, it, it's maybe less about beauty, but more about just what is appropriate for a serious occasion. Maybe that that that's just a question. I think that's another you know topic. I mean, talking about student tie, especially. Of course, you can talk about like what is the appropriate business uh, wear. You know, at different occasions. Of course, even today, even like we are seeing like a, a diversification of aesthetics here in China. You still don't really see a lot of people wearing hanfu in very formal occasions. Of, of course, that's for sure. But what I mean is that in recent years, especially among younger generations generations, you can see they are start starting to express themselves in different ways. And they, and they don't really care, like, what is a unified standard for beauty. I don't really care what is beauty in other people's eyes. As long as I'm comfortable, I'm confident wearing this thing, I think that is beauty. And the most important thing is that for other people who are observing everything, we are also becoming like more tolerant and more supportive in this case, we start to embrace different cultures, start to embrace different standards of beauty. And in this aesthetic thing, of course, you are seeing more people wearing clothing featuring traditional Chinese culture at workplace or going on the streets or in different occasions. You don't really feel surprised, right? You are basically seeing as a way of self-expression or whatever. So I think there is like a changing perspective on aesthetic here in China. Maybe that's one reason for that trend. I'd like to bring up another point, actually. I think that it's easy to forget. I I will be completely open here and appreciate that I I may not be as well-versed or or as knowledgeable as maybe you, Yang, about these things. But still, in my perspective, historically, there seems to me to be so many garments that we wear, especially in Western clothing, that have stood the test of time. And we we really forget that a lot of the stuff that we're wearing have actually been popular for maybe a hundred years. I mean, even materials like denim jeans. When I look at denim jeans, I see them as like, you know, denim jeans have been around since the early 20th century. And I think we take that for granted a little bit. And so, and things like um, trench coats, 
and barber jackets, things like this, and also like shirts, just even button down shirts. They're not particularly practical. Ties as well, they're not practical at all. So I just wonder where, you know, when we talk about things like Chipao traditions finding their way back into modern styles, how different that is from just them always having been popular. I don't know where I stand on this. Maybe I'm just really confused right now, but this is how I sort of see it. I sort of see it as some things that have stood the test of time and some things that haven't. Have I just completely missed the point here? No, you always help to broaden the uh, conversation. <laughs> How's that? Well, the thing about- You're so nice. <laughs> The thing about a lot of these traditional elements that have seen new life in modern attire is it can be confusing even for Chinese people because when we're talking about qi pao, for example, this traditional close-fitting dress for women featuring a standing collar and side slits, the qi pao can be traced back to the Qing dynasty, or it's like a variation of what people used to wear in Qing dynasty. So we're talking about 18th century or earlier. And then when we're talking about Hanfu, then this can be traced back more than a thousand years ago. So how have these elements stayed alive in Chinese people's attire? And then when you talk about Tangzhuang, so the Tang suit, a, a kind of Chinese jacket characterized with a mandarin collar closing at the front with frog buttons. I love this term, <laughs> the Pangko. So that refers to the 7th century. And then just drawing these inspirations from history, I think for Chinese people, there's the advantage that there's a wealth of fashion elements you can pick from. And, and how do you sort of incorporate it to today's everyday life and what we do? And you need to ride the subway, for example. And um, there's got to be modern alterations to these clothing. So what I find to be really interesting is um, sort of spotting these little things that remind you of the past and things that tell you where we are at now in the 21st century. So Li Yi, what do you see as the hallmarks or the items in Chinese fashion that's particularly salient these days? Well, there are like different elements which are quite popular or being borrowed by a lot of clothing designers nowadays. For example, one thing would be horse face skirt. In Chinese, it's called ma mian quan. Um, it really holds a unique status among fans of traditional Chinese clothing. Um, this kind of clothing used to be one of the primary skirt styles worn by women in ancient China, which originated in the Song Dynasty, that's about 1,000 years ago, and became popular during the Ming Dynasty, which is about 700 years ago. And typically, it's designed to two pieces of wrinkled cloth on the side and two other pieces of smooth cloth on the front and the back. I think the most like iconic issue about this horse face skirt would be 
Uh, this year, a graduate from Peking University made headlines as she wore yunjian, which is also known as a cloud collar, a traditional Chinese garment accessory item in Hanfu, and the horse face skirt to accompany the cap and gown to the graduation ceremony, and which has attracted a lot of attention of the public on social media platform. And then there's also another element called stand collar, which is a common neckline style in traditional Chinese clothing. It can often seen in qi pao's and tang suits, uh, which can really help you to, you know, capture a classical aura and enhance the stretch of the neck. And also there's frog button. It's a classic button style in traditional Chinese fashion. And then there's new qi pao, of course, the new Chinese style qi pao based on traditional qi pao designs while incorporating Western patterns and tailoring elements, which make it more suitable for daily wear. So there are like different elements which are quite popular in the today's new Chinese clothing or apparel industry. I think the thing is that people are really trying to, you know, not only like copying the traditional design from the ancient time, but more like to revitalizing everything to make it more suitable for daily wear or in different occasions, and more importantly, to make it suitable to modern aesthetics. Well, yeah, I think that there's definitely been more of a push for identity in China when it comes to the art world, not just fashion, but we've spoken about this a few times, right? Um, especially about the Chinese film industry, the movie industry, right? And also with sci-fi novels and uh, music, we've spoken about everything. And now we're talking about fashion. So I think that this definitely is part of that greater trend of cultural pride and a push for identity and to have one's own individual style, right? And so it, it makes a lot of sense, I think. And there's definitely a preservation of tradition sort of feeling about this as well. China, as we know, has a long and deep appreciation for traditional art and craftsmanship. And as a foreigner walking around China, this is one of the first things that you're going to notice when you're going in a market, obviously. But even if you're in like a luxury shopping mall, I'll walk past. And I remember when I first came to Beijing and I saw that there was you know, a, a tea shop in there or a jewelry store with certain types of traditional jewelry and crafts that I'd never seen before. And I thought, oh, I wouldn't find a store like that in the Western world, in the middle of a luxury shopping mall. So I think that this may also have something to do with it. This is just as, as an outsider looking in, of course. I think that's quite interesting. Another driving factor or driving force for this kind of trend of traditional Chinese style clothing would be cultural pride. You know, there are already research proving that people who identified more strongly with their ethnic identities also held more positive attitudes towards cultural products and they are more willing to use cultural products for different occasions. And here we're talking about this trend here in China. Maybe a very rough observation would be the popular trend of Chinese traditional cultural elements and styles kind of surged when China's economy took off. So you can also observe a national pride or cultural pride in this trend. People are becoming more confident about their country and meantime about their culture, and especially young people. They're getting more curious about those ancient culture and they are more willing to look back 
to learn about something about、uh, their history. I mean, their ancestors, and they are showing more willingness to present those traditional culture in different ways, like fashion, like museum, like drama, like animations, like furniture, especially fashion. I think it is the best way to show who you are in a very quick and immediate way, right? Yeah, absolutely. Fashion to me is such an important conduit to self-expression, to creativity, and depends on how you look at it. It can be such an important part of. Who you are? Yeah, but there's one more thing I want to check with you, Li Yi. That is, with this rise of Guo Chao,、um, or well, you know, we have a special series devoted to this big subject. There are international companies who are trying to, I suppose, appeal to the Chinese audience and consumer base, and they have incorporated. Their versions of、uh, Chinese elements to their products. Okay, so it's a hit or a miss. And what do you think of it? Well, I think it's quite natural that、um, global businesses or even domestic brands are noticing this trend. That especially young Chinese consumers, they are more confident and more curious and more willing to buy, you know, products featuring traditional Chinese elements. And especially, I think, with the rise of the purchasing power of Chinese consumers. I think it's something that any business cannot really overlook if it, it really intends to expand its business here in China. So you can see, like global brands are really utilizing this kind of Chinese-inspired designs and patterns to launch their product lines, which. In a way to cater to Chinese consumers, and I think we've we've dis- we've discussed in previous show that some makeup companies they are launching new products featuring, say, traditional Chinese elements and also and also the Chinese zodiac signs, a very、uh, popular cultural. Symbolic、uh, in China. I mean, you can see every year like fashion brands are launching, releasing、uh, new products featuring like different Chinese zodiac sign in a way to attract more Chinese consumers. I think it's quite a practical and a very natural, pragmatic approach that business and companies are taking here in China. Yes, I think it makes a lot of business sense. You should always know your customers, and that's how you deliver. Service that、uh, fits like a glove, and that can really appeal to the heart of your consumers. But we've also seen many times when these international companies have faux pas, have fashion faux pas in this sense, and also sometimes you risk、uh, being accused of cultural appropriation if you haven't done it in an appropriate manner, or you don't show that you've. Um, understood this culture well enough, and you're just taking little bits and pieces of it and plastering it on something that is that doesn't really speak truth to your proposed audience. And then, with an increasingly vocal and some would even say a little bit sensitive Chinese audience who are highly aware of these things going on, then. Actually, international businesses might need to work a little harder to handle the situation. Josh, what do you make of it? Yeah, it's definitely pretty sensitive, and for many people, it's pretty black and white. And they may say that the the adoption of certain elements, like fashion elements, for example, from another culture, need to be done so sensitively. And 
with respect, right? And but that's actually quite difficult. What what is respect, right? And how does one go about navigating these very sensitive topics and knowing what they should and should not wear? And then for a fashion brand who have you know often a massive team of experts and marketing teams and whatever, it's equally difficult. And we have seen over and over again that sometimes it goes wrong, right? And also fashion often is trying to be on the cutting edge, right? They're trying to be daring and abstract and different. And so how do you do these two things simultaneously? How do you be very respectful of a culture and very sensitive, but at the same time be rock and roll and abstract and on the edge? It's really difficult, uh, I I think. And I don't have any direct advice on this. I guess my only thoughts really having lived in China for about five years and having lived in other countries as well, I found that it's important to educate yourself as best you can. And I guess that the fashion companies also need to try and do this. I guess they try and do this. <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm well, not sure. Thing- it's, it's difficult, isn't it? It is difficult if you're looking at a global market, right? But if your business has expanded that big with such a far reach, then I think it's absolutely paramount to employ locals or people who know your destination market well enough to come up with these ideas and and this doesn't stop at fashion. Coming up next... We discuss the necessity of having a workplace persona or Renshu. Or maybe you think authenticity rules. Stay tuned. <laughs> 